Hey, we have a lot to talk about. Where do we even start? This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. I guess that's where we start. That's Corinne. Yep. I'm Sabrina. We are your ghostesses. And once again, we have proven we are so incredibly haunted. Yeah. This is so exciting. It's exciting, but it's exciting for me because it happened to you. And so I'm safe on my corner of the world. But oh my gosh, I lost you. You did? Are we not supposed to talk about this? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Weird. I can hear you now. That was weird. Whew, good start. Well, so what we're referencing is when we went on Sinisterhood mm-hmm. onto their podcast. Sabrina was telling a story. And just so everyone knows, the episode came out July 7th. It was our Freaky Friday episode. Which also is kind of weird because it's 7 7 so we're, we're getting kind of like an angel number situation here. And the sound that came out sounded a little bit like church bells, didn't it? Oh, to me, it sounded like a train horn. Like it kind of did. So basically, Sabrina's telling the story about her possessed sister. Yeah. Like walking into the room and finding your sister possessed. And then you maybe being there, your actual body, we don't know. But you're telling that story. And then, well, you, you tell literally as I, cause if you haven't heard the story already, um, where have you been? But there's the moment where my sister in like the deep guttural voice, not my sister, but something speaking through her says, I wonder if it happens again when I do it. She says, get out. And as I was telling that specific, the words get out in the episode with sinisterhood, there is a like horn, like high pitch something just within the get out words. The second I finished the word out, it's like three separate tones. It stops. Right. Yeah. It's not just like one. It's not like a horn. There's three separate tones. So it's, it's a chime of some sort. So whether it's like the train whistle, like the multiple whistles or church bells or something, it's there and it's so loud and you didn't hear it when it happened at all. No, but you did. I did. I heard it and I was just so, I guess you can't tell it all on the, on the, the uh, clip because my reaction was cool as a cucumber. Christy and Heather didn't seem, I kind of was looking at them, expecting them to say something and draw attention to it. And they didn't, but they didn't. And then they just started reacting to your story. And so I was like, oh shit, did no one hear that? And so it's like, I'm going to make a mental note to bring this up again as soon as everyone finishes their conversation. But in classic conversation, it just like jumps and moves on. And then I just forgot to bring it up, but I heard it. I heard it live because it was so loud and it is loud when you hear the recording back and it's on your track. It's on your microphone. That's so wild. And also we're so used to like recording and, you know, being background noise. So we're like, oh, you know, maybe it's nothing, but just the timing of that is spooky, freaky, if you will. Classic. Classic two girls, Classic one us. ghost. Classic us. <laughs> EVPs, haunted. <laughs> Ugh, what's new? It's exciting though when it happens 
with other people. Yeah. Kind of as witness, you know, like this was us on their podcast. So it's not like we have the feed and could alter it or like make it, you know, this is proof basically. Not we that anyone are was ever doubting that we, <laughs> that we were haunted or faking any of it, but it was on their tracks. Like they had the recordings and they heard it too. So, well, this is a great segue. If you want to experience our hauntings in person with us, <laughs> um, as enticing as it sounds after that story, we're going on tour. Um, I feel like those words I just said didn't come out as a full sentence because I'm so excited, but we are going on tour. We're hitting the road. Our very first show is in Chicago on September 7th. And then we are on the road until like November and like mid early November. We are hitting 32 cities. I don't know why it's hitting. Like, why are we hitting it? We're hitting, like we hit the town, we hit the city. I don't know. We come in, we do our thing and we leave. We are boom, boom. We just quick hit of each city. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be spooky time. It's going to be fun time. And honestly, I think we'll come out more haunted. Oh, I truly believe sure. it. I'm like, the more we talk about what happened to us, the more something else is going to happen. <laughs> we also have a lot of surprises to come along with it. So it's so hard not to talk about our experience at the Conjuring House right now, but that's the whole point of the show. So we can't do it. We don't want to spoil it. But there's so many surprises along the way. And then like so many things we have planned that I'm just so giddy. And I'm actually really excited because the episode we're doing today, the place reminds me so much of the Conjuring House. Wow. Okay. This is interesting. Yeah. I'm very curious what this place. I'm wondering if I'll, I'll make the connections because I feel like you and I at the Conjuring House had a lot of similar experiences, but then we also had some that weren't. And so it does make me wonder if I'll feel as as much like this. You'll find out, but it's less a, in terms of the hauntings that occur there, but more in terms of like when you look at the photo of it, you it's easy to mistake. You could almost be like, oh, this is the Conjuring House. Looks like the Conjuring yeah. House. Dang. Well, if anyone's come to a live show of ours before, thank you. Yeah, thank you. But this one's different. So if you've been, we'll just say you don't really know entirely what to expect because we did set this up to be different and to kind of check off some of the checkboxes we had of things that we've always wanted to do and not done before. It's a once in a lifetime, unless you go to multiple shows, <laughs> opportunity to see two girls and one ghost in a completely different way. It feels like clickbait. <laughs> Just come, come to our show, please. I'll show you my toes. No wiggle. It's wiggle just at the end of the stage. It's just an entire slideshow of my feet for 90 oh my minutes. God. <laughs> Sorry, this is not to do with your feet, but it is my train of thought is moving to it because when we do the live shows, sometimes we'll be traveling by train, car, Plane, have you seen, I guess by the time this episode comes out, maybe we'll have some of the answers, but have you seen the clips of that woman who got off of a plane panicked because she thought she saw basically a shapeshifter, someone who wasn't real? What? No. Sabrina, have you not opened the TikTok app in the past five days? Only to look at how poorly our videos are doing and that's it. <laughs> Well, I've been all consumed by this. Jerry and Sarah from Ladies and Tangents, uh, we're talking about it in the, in the polo, in our Marco polo with them. Oh, shoot. I haven't been poloing. Yeah, you got to keep up with the polo. Keep up with the ghostly activities. Okay, I'm going to butcher this. But here's what I know so far. 
And also this episode from the time that we're recording it, it's going to come out like two weeks after. So everything I said, probably people already know, or there might be new information that changes what we think we know right now. But here's what happened. Basically, there was a flight and they, the plane, I believe, was going on the tarmac. So not yet in the air, but they were starting to go down the runway on the tarmac to get ready to take off. There's a woman and she's probably honestly our age. She also looks an awful lot like Brittany Snow. Like <laughs> I thought it was Brittany Snow for a minute in Brittany Snow. the video. Initially, there was a clip posted of this woman and all you see of the clip is her running down, not running, but like rushing down the center aisle of the plane trying to get off as all of the flight attendants are telling her, like trying to calm her down and kind of huddled together in the middle. And she stops at the front and turns back and she's like pointing her fingers and being like, ah, and she, you can tell she's so panicked. Her voice is going up where it's kind of the wobbly, panicked, yeah. high-pitched voice where she's like, all of you, I don't know what I'm... And she's talking like that. But she is so panicked and she's basically telling everyone, I don't care if anyone believes me, but I hope you do. That person back there is not real and I'm getting off this plane is essentially what she was, the message she was trying to convey. Wait, this makes me really sad. What if it is a real person? What if it was like a person like me who is often invisible and then sometimes just gets seen? <laughs> Do you think someone would panic that much though from just seeing you as you are? I don't think so. I don't think ever. It's also just, it's hard because I have a lot of thoughts. So just keep, but keep going. So naturally the first thing people talk about is, is this mental illness, right? Like, is she having a manic episode? And a lot of the behaviors she exhibited would suggest that it was not based on how she's behaving and what people have also seen and known, especially because of the clips that come before. So initially, we just had this very short period of a few seconds where she's freaking out at the front. And people were like, oh, could she be in need of some mental and medical assistance here, potentially. But then a longer clip came out and it basically shows her feeling a little bit, well, looking un disturbed and unsettled and worried. And she's in her seat and she's trying to kind of like get out and draw the attention to the flight attendant. And the flight attendant is coming over and she's talking to them and trying to basically be like, I need to move my seat. I don't feel comfortable sitting here. I really need to move my seat. And the flight attendant's basically being like, ma'am, you're fine. Like, sit down. Everything's okay. We're on the tarmac. We're going to we're gonna go soon. We just need you to sit down. Is basically telling her no. So she's, the panic is starting to rise in her. And she's like, no, I really need to change my seat. I can't be sitting here. I need to change my seat. I need to change my seat. And he's saying no. Another flight attendant starts to walk over. And she basically just like pops out of her seat and rushes to the aisle and then runs away from where her seat is to the back of the plane. And is almost like, looking to the other flight attendant for help, almost like save me, protect me, hide me back here. I just can't go back to that seat. And they're not helping her. Well, I think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is like, I mean, that's probably a very difficult situation for them. Yeah. But anyway, it just, it ends with her basically running past where she had been, like where her seat was and going to the front and basically being like, there's someone back there that is not real. She she thought she saw something within someone's face or like within their actions or whatever they said, where it was very clear to her that that person was not human. And then 
So they took everyone off the plane. They looked for bombs for two hours. At that point, the crew had the amount of time that they could be there had like expired. So the crew was changed. The flight eventually took off two hours later. We've heard absolutely nothing from the woman and we don't have any records, I guess, as of right now, that's public that she'd been arrested, that there had been anything like that, which would be a normal thing for someone who essentially causing a scene and making the plane turn back around. But she very clearly believed what she was doing. So it wouldn't have, I mean, in my, in my eyes, it's not like that's not a crime, right? She, she believed it wasn't like a joke, like, let's get everyone off this plane and make a bomb threat. I don't think you would get arrested for that. And, and, and apparently she was completely calm way more calms down once they got off of the plane and she was away from whoever that person was. She started to settle. But we don't know any more information past that. But there was another person that came out who was on a flight that day, I think in a similar area, and saw a UFO outside of the window. And a bunch of people saw this like disc shape that was right there and just hovered for many seconds, like quite a few beats, and then took off again. Karen, I have my skeptic hat on and I feel... Mm. very certain that my gosh I what know. did celebrity memoir book club do to you <laughs> well more than anything it's like I know how like mental illness is such a real thing and I feel like the way that you're explaining this and like I don't want to make assumptions but it does feel like this was like a mental health issue and that's the reason it like she was way more calm afterwards is like her reality was what she was saying. And so getting off the plane was what she needed in that moment. And obviously like, I'm glad that they did take all those precautions just because like you kind of have to, right. But I hope she's okay. And then also I think it's really easy to then like, after the fact, put together all these pieces like, Oh, this happened. And then so-and-so saw a UFO in the same area. And it's just easy to like build this whole I almost believe the UFO part more than I do the the shapeshifter. Yeah. I think you should watch the video because I think you have the same hat on that a lot of people had when they first watched like one small portion of the clip. And then when you actually watch the full clip, it it strays enough away from what we're used to seeing on planes and in, in these scenarios that I'm not saying it's not mental health, but I'm saying it's making people waffle. Okay. Because it's I'll not watch. as clear. I'll watch. As... Most people assume it, it would be in this sort of situation. I will. Uh, if, if, here's the thing if there was actual footage of like someone shape shifting, then I would be like, oh, absolutely, I believe. But if the footage well, is just so her conviction, <laughs> I know. Well, no, because then people would be like, this was edited. Anyway, all to say that is really, regardless of what happened, it is sad. And I hope she's okay because that was very much her reality, whether or not it was real in our reality. I just think it's interesting whether this is a mental health thing or not. It is interesting what an uptick there is in things like this occurring because aliens are real. I'm paying attention to them. (laughs) I've always been paying attention to them. I'm trying to get married to them. So I would like to say something really quick because the second you signed on to this Riverside recording, I thought your hair looked beautiful and... Thank you. I wanted to tell you. So does yours. You also have a a blowout going on. Thank you. And so I wanted to talk about how I am in my, I'm in so many different eras right now. I'm in my evil little shit era, my witchy cottage era, my ass over tea kettle. Teeth collecting. Yeah, my teeth collecting. But I also got the Dyson Airwrap. And oh my God, 
right? I'm like, this is the Dyson Airwrap. I'm like, give me my Farrah Fawcett bangs and my little curls. I'm here for it. It makes it so much easier to do your hair. So A easy. thousand times more. Did you use the little one? No, I always use the big one. The little one I think is too bouncy. Like this is, I just did this before we started recording. So, cause I like when it's really relaxed and it almost looks like I slept in it, which in a, the next hour it will end up that way. Yeah. This is the big one. And I feel like when I do the little ones, they, they stay a little too springy for me, but I'm going after we record to beach too sandy, water too wet. You are. Yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with Christine. I'm gonna give it well. Hang out. You're gonna hang I'm out gonna with her, but she's audience. not hanging out with you really. <laughs> well, I'll see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we made plans. But fun. Yeah, I'm excited to go see it. That's gonna be I so think much fun. In all of their shows, they're reading reviews from the local places around there. So I'm very curious what sort of hilarious and horrible reviews they found from the Boston and Massachusetts area. Okay, well, you'll have to keep me posted. I will. But shall we get into ghost stories? Let's do it. Okay. Dear diary, it's me, Eric Lindgren. It is the year 1945, and I have many woes of which I wish to divulge and unburden myself off. I pour my fears and my tears into you, so trusty journal. Bound by twine so fine, today mine eyes did bear witness to an unearthly being. I've confided in you my concerns for nearly one rotation around the sun, and I must now confess what I sought to deny. It was the chair once more. I've shared my fraught friendship with this chair, the wooden one, the one that rocks. I've always felt a distaste towards it, and it towards me. Sitting within it instills a feeling chilling to mine spine, and today when I sat my rear down in the wooden seat, Something pushed me with the force of ten Viking men, and I was thrown near across the room. I admit, I am not alone. No, I am merely one human soul among what I believe to be many souls. Just I am the only living one. Journal, you know the honesty within my soul, the morality and the integrity of my wit. So bear with me as I confess the honest truth. Orvanet is indeed haunted. <laughs> is this a live excerpt from someone's journal? No, I wrote it. <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> oh my God. I really thought this was some guy experiencing these hauntings 200 years ago, <laughs> journaling about it. Wow. Well, I Okay. You made me a believer. Thank you. Okay. Well, there are a couple of, of um, disclaimers to say with that journal entry. So this is not a real journal entry, but it is inspired by... So Eric Lindgren, and I will get into him a little bit more. He did keep a journal specifically about this location and wrote all of his hauntings. And I could not find records of the actual journal. So I decided to make my journal entry and create one. This was like a creative um, writing exercise that I decided to endure and put myself through. Uh, and it endure. Was- <laughs> <laughs> and based on the stories that I will share, I wrote this. But I did laugh because it was 1945 and I wrote it as if it was like the 1500s. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it could have been our grandpa's writing it. Yes. But this journal entry that I just read was completely created within the mind of a woman on the cusp of her 30s with a desperate desire to tell stories of men haunted by spirits in an old Swedish vicarage. Me. <laughs> I was like, who is that? That's that me. actually took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was like, oh, are we about to hear her excerpt too? It's you. It's me. Should I read a journal entry of my own? You don't want to read those. Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> Why does my mom punish me? Oh, yeah. My mom loved to punish me and ground me for a month at a time. Doesn't matter. Didn't matter what the what the crime was. It was a month always. What would happen in that month? What was taken away? Did you have a, your cell phone? She would take my cell phone, I think, at like when I got home from school or whatever. And then I think I would miss out on social events until my friends would call my house phone asking to talk to me. But then they would end up, but it was all planned to talk to my mom. And I would be like busy, like in the shower or something. So they would talk to my mom and be like, can she please come? So. Wow. See, this is when people say it takes a village to raise a child. It was you and all your friends trying to raise you and to raise my mother remove yeah to raise your mother (laughs) yep (laughs) Yep. no one can ground you now sabrina you're free thank you so this is the story of the borvenet in sweden it is or the borvenet vicarage it's the most haunted house in sweden and Eric Lindgren did dwell in the Borvenet Vicarage in 1945 and did endure countless paranormal encounters, including, as I wrote, a fraught friendship with a ghost who wanted Eric out of his rocking chair and indeed did shove him out of it. And because of all of these encounters, Eric did begin to journal his experiences to keep a record of them. And then eventually he gave up journaling because there were just too many. Damn. This is the story of the most haunted house in Sweden, the Borvenet Vicarage or the Borvenet Rectory. Nearly every living soul to dwell, visit, or experience the Borvenet can confirm it is haunted. Not by one, not by two, but by many spirits. By the 1980s, the hauntings were so aplenty and the spirits were taunting so many that a ghost priest... I just love that that's his name. Ghost priest (laughs) came to exercise the building. Before we get there, let's rewind a bit and go to the beginning. Okay. Borvenet is a tiny, tiny, tiny town. It's like some 600 kilometers north of Stockholm, Sweden. These are not my words. It is in the middle of nowhere. There's some farmland, a grocery store, a forest, a petrol station, and not a whole lot more. It is so small that in 2022, there were just 65 residents in the town 65 tiny wow yeah that is so small i i hope they all know each other oh i'm sure now i'm sure have a little community house a structure somewhere where they can get together for friday night dinners (laughs) they're definitely not getting together this haunted house they will let you know that but when you google the name of this town and i'll just spell it for everyone i feel like we should do the abcs on our video b o r g v a T T N E T T. Borvenet. 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 When you search that, the only thing that comes up is the haunted vicarage, the most haunted house. Like it's just you're flooded with results of the haunted house. I'm curious how far apart these houses in this town are because this 
they're pretty far apart. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, if it's, if it's just kind of like a cluster of like, here's just a small dusting of houses where 65 people live, then I'd be concerned that all the other houses are haunted. But if this is far spread out and it's just kind of like, maybe, you know, your neighbor, maybe you don't, everyone who lives here is just deep in the woods. Yeah. It's pretty foresty. It is beautiful. If you take, if you look at photos, I think there's a little bit of a a lake or a pond nearby. It's known for its nature. A lot of people come for peace and quiet and to just be. A lot of people fish. Um, It is like a hiking outdoorsy area. But of course, now they also come for the ghosts. This town was first settled in 1750 and the Bourbonnet Church was built in 1782. They got their very first road in 1872 and became its own parish in 1873 which is when they decided to build the vicarage, which is the rectory, basically the the home for the holy men and the priests. So the very first resident of the Borvenet vicarage was Father Johann Strindberg. And then many priests came and went as the priesthood, you know, changed and rotated. And there are no recorded deaths in the home until April 11th of 1908 when tragedy befell the home. Priestess Marta was giving birth to her child in a room, which today is now called the Yellow Room. Marta was 34 years old and married to Pear. Together, they had eight children between the ages of zero to 14. Eight. But on April 11th, 1908, Marta unfortunately died during childbirth inside this room. The family was devastated, obviously, and even worse so, at this time in April, the ground was too cold and hard to dig and bury Marta. So she was left and remained in the house until the ground was softer. I don't know the exact extent, but basically enough time where she very much became a part of the home still today. She died there. She lived there. She now very likely haunts there. The vicarage was used for nearly 90 years until they needed a larger, newer space. So the very last priest to live in the old and now infamously haunted rectory was Eric Lindgren, the man whose journal I created and who journaled and documented many of the hauntings. And because of him, actually, and his speaking to a journalist eventually, That is why we know it is haunted. And that is how it was given the name Most Haunted House in Sweden. So he lived in the vicarage until 1948 when he moved into the new one with his mother, Britta, and his dog, Sheik. Sheik? I think that's how you say it. In 1970, a man named Eric Branholm bought and converted the Borvenet vicarage, the old one, the very haunted one, into a hotel. And... In the very first summer, over 5,000 visitors came. Wait, I'm confused because I looked at photos and it doesn't look big enough for that. Am I looking at the right one? Yeah, I mean, not, not all at one time, Corinne. They 5,000 people within... Did everyone stay one night and then leave? <laughs> within the that summer. That feels like a lot. I mean, there's... So they were fully multiple... booked. They were fully booked, basically, yeah. And then people also, they were doing tours. So it was like people coming. They didn't have to stay there. They came to visit it. Because it was open publicly now. Okay. Because I'm like, I don't know how many rooms this would have, but I was assuming maybe like six. I think it has six. Six rooms. Yeah. Oh. The yellow, pink, blue. Six. Yeah. Okay. So it was opened as a hotel. It still is operating as a hotel today, 
but how did it become haunted? And what the heck, who are these ghosts? And furthermore, why are they haunting it? As we've talked about so many times, we, you know, don't often always get the answers to all of those, but I will share a lot of the hauntings. So like I said, the home was built in 1876 and the very first documented haunting was 51 years later in 1927. This comes from Nils Hedlund, who had lived in the rectory for quite a while. And he was actually the son of Marta, the woman who died during childbirth in the home. He, one day while he was doing laundry, witnessed an invisible force tear his laundry off of the drying line. Whoa. Which is like a very strange, like it almost feels like, was it his mother being like, you're doing this wrong or you're not supposed to wash your colors and whites together, son? I don't know. Well, I feel like we need to have more information about what his relationship was like with yeah. his mom. Yeah. Right. And we don't what have What type that. of person was she or what were... What were other people that came into the home? What were their personalities like? Like, does it does this behavior make sense for anyone that they know? I don't know who would now be in ghost form. I don't know. Spirit and there's form. so many spirits in this house, so like it is not totally clear. And also, I think there is an element of like now the house has really bought into its haunted reputation. And while a lot of the accounts come from these priests firsthand, I think there has been an evolution where some of the more recent encounters or legends behind the house could be dramatized. How do we ever tell the difference? I don't know. We can't. We won't ever know. But we choose to believe this story. In 1930, priest Rudolf Tangen was sitting in the Great Hall reading when suddenly he saw a lady in a gray dress appear in the corner of the room. Oh. They made eye contact and she began to slowly walk towards him. When is there ever going to be a lady wearing pants appears <laughs> in the corner of the room? It's always a dress. I feel like the ones with pants, you like you only see their top halves or something. I don't know. Anyway, she's in a gray dress. She starts walking towards him slowly. And he's just like, what's happening? And all of a sudden she pivots and turns and heads right into the office. And so he drops his book and like quickly gets up and follows after her, heads into the office after her. And then all of a sudden, when he gets in there, rounds the corner, no one's there. She's gone. The next priest, Otto Lindgren, lived in the Borbonet Rectory with his wife from 1936 to 1941. And the two of them experienced so many hauntings. They were once sitting in the dining room when they heard the front door open and they heard heavy footsteps walking into the kitchen. And this, I guess, wasn't that strange. And people maybe came and went and visited. So they were like, oh, we must have a guest. And so they both get up and they go into the kitchen to greet their guest, except no one was there. Another evening, Otto's wife heard the same thing. She hears footsteps approaching the kitchen where she's sitting, but it doesn't quite reach into the kitchen. And so she's like, you know, ears peeled, listening. And all of a sudden music starts playing in the like next room. She's like, that's strange. And so she gets up, she goes to see what's going on. And the second she steps into the other room, the music stops playing. She's like that's strange. It always reminds me of Insidious. Like I always picture that scene. That I like dip. I know that song is so creepy. So that's what I picture. Even if it's like a lovely melody and someone describes it as like beautiful music, I'm always picturing that creepy scene from Insidious. Yeah. So she goes to sit back down, and the second she sits down, the music starts again. So she goes out again. The music stops. So she calls her husband, Otto, and 
they start to investigate. They see nothing. They There's no one there. They both go to sit in the kitchen. And as they sit down, the music resumed. So whoever's here is living their lives. Totally. Which makes me also think of the movie The Others, because what if that... Can't you see Nicole Kidman in The Others ripping down all the sheets that are up on the line? Just like a confusion. Because what if in their ghost form, the sheets have been removed? Right. And so they go back out and their sheets and they don't understand that they're dead yet. Yeah. And so they're like ripping things down. They're very confused. It seems, I don't, I won't speculate too much now, but it seems like whoever's there is living, living their days out just as the people that are in their house and don't quite. Yeah. Navigate as we assume sometimes ghosts would. It does remind me a bit of the show Ghosts in the sense that there's so many spirits here and the story I'm about to share with you, there's some interaction between all of the spirits. Like they're not independent necessarily. So huh. Okay. this next story took place in 1941 where the secretary Inga Floden was staying the night at the rectory because she was on a business trip. So she stayed the night in what is now called, and Corinne, you'll love this. It is called the Weeping Cow's Room. Oh no, such a sad cow. We only want happy cows. But the thing is, it has nothing to do about cows. That's what's so interesting. Who are they calling a cow then? Yeah, that's the part that I'm like, hmm. But this is also (laughs) a translation from the Swedish terms. So I don't know necessarily that the translation works properly. So Inga woke up in the middle of the night to the sensation of being watched. And she sees what looks like three figures sitting on the couch staring at her. So she's like a bit taken aback, but she doesn't get bad vibes. So she like kind of as like she's maintaining eye contact, she reaches over and turns on the lamp. And sure enough, there are three women sitting on the couch staring at her. And she could see that they all looked very sad. All three women were sad, their eyes tear ridden. So she sits there in bed and she takes in all of the detail of these women. She notes that one of them is dressed in black. Another is in bright purple. And the third is in gray, perhaps the lady in gray that the previous priest had seen. Two of the women have their hands on their knees and the one on the left was apparently knitting. The lady in gray had red rings around her eyes and Igna felt a deep sadness for them. She wasn't scared. She truly was more like concerned and wanting to take in as much detail as she possibly could. And she fell back to sleep. Like she, she truly, while looking at them, and studying them fell back to sleep. So she wasn't scared. The next morning, she told the priest what she had witnessed. And the priest had said he himself had never seen that, but that he confirmed the house or that room was definitely haunted because he had basically pitched to the other priest that we that they moved the office into that room. And they all were like, no, 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 no. That room is too haunted. We don't want that to be the office. So it was known by all of the priests to be haunted. Oh, That is, and it's just so, the priests are supposed to be the ones that aren't scared of this. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like they're scared. It's more of like, because there's, there's one story I'll tell you with Eric, where like, it almost feels like some of the ghosts are a bit pests-like, like they get in the way of doing things. Yeah. And for the most part, they aren't negative experiences. A lot of them are simply interactive in terms of like the music or the seeing someone walk by or people sitting or go sitting there. They're not right. just walking around, yeah. making some general noise, right. house creaking under their ghostly footsteps. Yes. 
So then we have Eric Lindgren, who is our journaler, and he witnessed so many hauntings, including being thrown out of the rocking chair in the Great Hall. These hauntings for years were kind of spoken about in hushed tones, kept quiet between those who lived within the rectory, the vicarage walls. But somehow on December 1st, 1947, word got out, and I'm not sure how, but a journalist approached Eric because he had heard that the rectory was haunted. And keep in mind, like during this time, I mean, even today, like religious wise, the word ghosts is not necessarily like a popular word. And there's a different stigma related to it, whereas spirits and souls. Ridiculous. I know. (laughs) We've tried six years to change that. Yeah. So Eric was like, I agree. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let me tell you all my experiences. And so a lot of the stories that have survived are mostly thanks to this interview And then the stories I just shared previously, a lot of those ended up coming out in the article or afterwards because Eric had like opened up that it gave a lot of these other priests the space and room to then tell their experiences. So there's a photo and we'll put it in here of the article from the paper. It's in Swedish. So good luck reading it unless you know the language, but you can tell one of the words is spoke airier so spooky or like spookiest perfect it is i love that eric was the one who kept the ghost stories alive and basically was like this is my chance to keep a record of all the things that i'm experiencing i can openly talk about this because it was i like that he was in the camp where it was like obviously i can talk about this because this place is so haunted that anyone who doubts me can just spend some time here yes there's it's very easy to prove Mm-hmm. So during the interview, Eric mentioned that the Church of Sweden had plans to investigate the house. And by the time the article came out, the Church of Sweden did call for a scientific investigation of the house after, quote, several years of hauntings. And with that news, the most haunted house in Sweden was born and it was vi- officially given the name Spok Prostgarden, Most Haunted House. I want to get that on a plaque and put it outside of my house. <laughs> you can. It's kind of like a... Do you want me to give you that? As if a, anyone speaks Sweden, they know. House yeah, yeah. Will you? Yeah. I already saved a little plaque on Etsy from a seller who makes... Basically, you can put them in, you know, like the little tiny plaques that people put where it's like WC for like water closet or something. It's basically that size, but it says, beware of ghosts. <gasps> and wow. I want to put it outside of the recording office. I love that so <laughs> much. I'll link it in the show notes so people yeah. can beat me to buying it. I love I'll buy that. it first before I provide that. <laughs> yeah, make sure you get your hands on one. I'll make sure I get mine. So Lindgren shares tales of lights turning on and off, spirits crashing into him, and encounters of ghosts around every corner in every room at all hours of the day and night. Not just one, not just two, but many. Eric told the reporter, and this is a quote, as soon as I got here, I heard one evening how heavy furniture or boxes were being dragged around up in the upper hall, where, however, there was neither furniture, not boxes, nor any living person. Still, I heard the sounds absolutely clearly. Furthermore, I have heard steps up there, although I know that no one was there on those occasions. So he had just moved in. There were no boxes, no furniture, no person upstairs. And he hears what sounds like something, someone moving furniture around. Yeah. 
That's an action that happens for a long time too, it sounds like. It was more than just a moment of like hearing a footstep or hearing a creak or hearing two seconds of a song. Continuous. Yeah, yeah. The next day while in the home, Eric heard the sounds of footsteps outside in the yard and he paused what he was doing and listened and he heard them walk to the front door and so he assumed he had a guest. And so he went to go greet them only to find that no one was at the front door. This started happening so regularly that he began to ignore it and sometimes accidentally ignored actual guests because it was more, (laughs) it was, I love that more often than not, no one was there. Can you imagine if someone was like, I've been banging on the door for the past five minutes on and off. What took you so long to get here? And he's like, oh, sorry. I thought you were a ghost. I'd be like, do I, well, if it were me, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Invite me in. But I imagine some other people would be like, do I still want to, should, is now a good time? Do I care? Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Eric said he rarely felt alone in the home and he, along with many of the previous priests to reside in the rectory, felt this most commonly on the Western side of the house where the office was. And in case you want to go book a room now, this is the room that is currently called the Expedition. Eric commented that he felt like someone was watching him while he worked. Not only that, but this person, spirit, whatever, was sitting next to him, almost breathing down his neck. So I think this is what I was saying earlier of like, the ghosts are just kind of like up in their biz, which is kind of annoying. It's like, it's like as if right now someone were standing behind me, just like, what are you doing? Why are you saying it like that? Why, why do you look like that? Why did you make that face? Like, you know, it's just like, that is annoying. It's annoying. You can just feel someone there. Wait, sorry. Quick, quick anecdote that doesn't belong to me, actually. Um, The same person who accidentally drove onto Area 51 that I know, his younger sister, I know I've told you this before, but his younger sister was the only one in their haunted house that could actually regularly hear the spirit of an older woman. And this woman would sometimes help her with her homework, would like offer some answers or suggestions. So it wasn't like they were sitting there working on homework together, actively having a conversation, but she'd hear a similar sort of thing over her shoulder, except it was helpful. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's in Connecticut. That's where they're from. Eric also once even collided into a spirit. So he was kind of walking into the office and he turned a corner and full on collided with what felt like flesh and bone, body to body, skin to skin, bone to bone. But when he looks up, there's no living human. There's no even like spectral being. There was nothing. I know it just feels like running into a person, but the fact that you were like just describing like the crunch of like a flesh and it just is, it grosses me out. I'm literally picturing like the, uh, a carcass, just a deer, a deer hide and accidentally walking into it. That would, I think that would be worse. This is more of just like, it felt like a human and you felt like you bumped into something. Yeah. yeah. The shape and form of the curves yes. and nooks and crannies of, of a human torso. And then This is the most infamous encounter. And Eric seemed to have a feud with a ghost over this rocking chair. And this is kind of what I wrote and documented in the the faux journal entry that I wrote. So Eric always felt a presence around this rocking chair, but he really enjoyed sitting in it and he would sit in it and read. But one evening while he was sitting in the chair, 
He was jerked forward so hard that he fell out of the chair and hit the floor. And like, at first he was like, oh, you know, maybe I was like unconsciously, mindlessly rocking too hard. And I, you know, propelled myself out of the chair. So he got, he gets up, he sits back down in the chair. And then all of a sudden, whoop, pushed out of the chair again. And he's like, wow. Hmm. So he does it again. And again, a sudden jerk. And this is a quote, a sudden jerk. And then I was on the floor again. And then he tried to like stand up again, but his legs were shaking like violently. And he was just like, I'm, I'm not going to sit again. No, I also think rocking chairs are the scariest chair. So creepy. I don't know why they're so creepy. I don't know why I've always been creeped out by them. But the thought of a ghost sitting in my stool to like the countertop, that doesn't freak me out. It's because but you wouldn't it see was in a rocking chair. You wouldn't see the evidence of them sitting in your on your stool. I guess that's right. The rocking chair moves. You're right. Totally. It's like the same thing why a swing. Yeah. Just swinging on its own is so creepy. I also think rocking chairs are scary to sit in because of this exact reason where you're in a normal chair of a ghost was trying to move you. They'd scoot you back a little bit, but you'd, you'd stop. A rocking chair seems to have so much more movement available. You can swing back and forth. If they drag you, it probably is easier to drag you further. <laughs> yeah. So apparently this chair was even brought and like put onto like t- TV shows to try to prove it and see if the ghost would do it live. Eventually it was returned to the house. I think it's still at the house. I'm not sure. Okay. So they found that it's not the item that is haunted, but in fact, the house. house. Correct. So you can remove anything from the house and chances are, well, I guess not anything. Who knows? Maybe there are some things in there that the spirits are attached to. Right. They feel fondly and they will follow that thing. Yes. (laughs) I don't know why I thought fondle that thing. It's just fondly follow (laughs) fondle. They'll fondle it all through their afterlives. You love that picture of your grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, you're fine. Definitely. So with the publication of this article, the news of the most haunted house in Sweden spread and reporters, visitors, paranormal enthusiasts flocked to the home and reached out to Eric to the point where he had to block his phone from receiving incoming calls. But so, like I said, in 1970, Eric Branholm purchased the home and converted it into a hotel. There are many rooms you can stay in almost all of which have hauntings recorded with them. So I'll kind of go through each of the rooms. Okay. I also love that Eric is just generally a very difficult person to make contact with because he won't open the door and now he's not answering his phone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's dealt with a lot and he already shared his whole story. There's nothing more to share. So, okay. The expedition, which was previously the office of the rectory, is still just as haunted. Um, The blue room... Guests have heard heavy objects being moved. Covers have been pulled off of guests in the middle of the night. And also a common occurrence is guests will leave for the day and like go explore the town, you know, go enjoy the fresh air. And when they come back, furniture and the beds are just like rearranged. A small boy has been seen in the blue room. And sadly, in the middle of the night, people have reported hearing the cries of a small boy. Oh. The pink room in this story, I just want to give a trigger warning. I do believe it's a bit of a legend. There's no proof of this story, but I do want to just give a trigger warning. There is death of an infant in this story. Hmm. So in the pink room, people have heard the sounds of a baby crying. And the legend says that there was a young unmarried unmarried maid who became pregnant 
and was locked in the room until the child was born. And then when the child was born, the child was killed and buried in the yard of the house. Oh, how awful. Either way, people believe that a child and a young woman do haunt this room and the house. Then there's the weeping cows room where the three women who were sitting on the couch and haunted Inga, Inga were like teary eyed were sitting and they are still seen in that in that room. I do wonder if it's weeping cows like they're said to be weeping cows. I don't know. Again, Swedish to English translation might have been a little bit of, uh, you know, the term might mean something different. And then there's the Great Hall where the gray lady is often seen. Like she's the one who kind of goes from the Great Hall to the office. I wonder if she's responsible for the music at all because she spends most of her time in the Great Hall. A lot of people have also seen a tall shadow man throughout the home, but it could just be the ghost of a priest who has passed away and, you know, kind of come back to this rectory to join all the other spirits. I don't know. But today, the Borvanet rectory very much leans into their haunted reputation and brings about many daring guests and therefore stimulates a lot of revenue for the town. Their website, borvanet.eu, when you go to it, like there's like the, you know how it usually says like book a room and you click that button and you can like reserve. It says, dare you to book a room. Oh, it also refers to guests as victims. <laughs> they are flaunting the haunts that they've got. Wow. I love this. Do you want to go? Should we go? I would go. You can actually book the whole thing. So rooms can be booked May through October. And then there's also a hostel, which I'm going to get into in a second because there are a lot of hauntings there as well. But so there's the rectory and then like some not not very far away, 200 meters, I think it is. There's a hostel, which used to be a farmhouse. And you can book that all year round. And you can book the entire home January through April or November through December. It's also very affordable. I like did a conversion. I'm pretty sure it was like $95 a night to rent the whole home. Wow. I wonder how difficult it is to get there. I do believe it's quite a trek and you would have to rent a car. I'm also not sure if they still do this, but they used to give guests a certificate of surviving and making it through the night as they checked out. That is so fun. I love that. It's all about those little touches and this place is doing it right. Yes. And then there's the hostel, which I have a photo here. It's this yellow little farmhouse. It's 200 meters away from the rectory and is perhaps just as haunted as the rectory. It is quoted as a lonely farm above a cemetery. And apparently there's an angry male spirit who glares at guests as they sleep. He mumbles and grumbles, stomps and thuds throughout the building. Okay. So he's angry. So inside the house, if you stay in the house, you'll mostly have peaceful, but active hauntings. But if you stay off property at this other nearby barn area the hostel that guy's not happy that that's turned into it very much sounds like it's his home and he's like mm. what are you doing in it because yeah. there is a video that went kind of viral of a russian youtuber so he and his group of friends or whatever his group was they had booked the rectory the whole house and they were going to stay there themselves they had already picked up the keys and they accidentally drove to the farmhouse and they, as they pull up to the farmhouse, they see a man moving about the house and they're like confused because they were like, we rented the whole thing. No one should be here. So then someone points out, oh, we're at the wrong place. Like we need to go this way. 
So they drive over to the rectory, they do their thing. And the next day they talk to like the owners and they're like, oh, like, you know, we drove, they basically explain what happened the night prior. And they're like, no one's staying in the farmhouse (laughs) that it was locked up. There's no way anyone could have been in there. Yeah. So that probably, that's amazing. But how unlucky for that YouTuber who I'm sure was going there to try to catch ghostly footage that their paranormal experience happened before they even set up any of the cameras and at the property that they weren't even supposed to be at. I do wonder if they, because I didn't, I didn't watch much more than that video, but I wonder if they ended up getting stuff at the rectory because that place is super haunted. But the last, the last haunting I will tell you about, and it's not necessarily haunting, it's actually beautiful. So kind of just on the edge of the property of the farmhouse, there is what is called the energy tree. Ooh, there is a large fir tree that was struck by lightning. And due to that, it split and has a total of nine trunks. And despite the trauma to the tree, it has survived and thrived. And many people feel this buzzing of energy and uplifting palpable positive energy that has been used as a conduit for magic rituals and healing remedies. So there's that to look out for as well. It's like a little vortex almost. It does make me so curious if it was something to do with like the lightning or the tree or just did the lightning draw attention to the tree and the energy that was already here? Or is it one of those situations where as trees do, the surrounding trees are just all constantly pumping all of their good energy and nutrients to try to keep their other tree friend alive. And that's what we're feeling. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's on the edge of the forest. So it's very possible that like the whole ecosystem of trees are just like, Let's lift up our friend. Lift them up. But yeah, that is the haunting of the Borvanet Rectory, Sweden's most haunted house that you can now stay at. So many spirits. So so many many ghosts. Mm -hmm. Dang. I would not stay at the hostel. I would stay, I think, in the actual house slash hotel. Same. And it is beautiful. Wait, okay. I want to show you a picture of it because this is... I want you to see what I mean with it looking like the Conjuring House. Oh, it does the siding and everything, Mm -hmm. that sort of natural wood. Yeah. And like even the back stains and weathered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It totally does. It has that vibe. Okay. Can I tell you something that I was thinking of when you were talking about this? So I was, I was thinking about how I had learned way back when about some Swedish, I thought it was this Swedish tradition, which it is. I just Googled it where in the spring, they have a cow release. So when you were talking about the weeping cows, I was just thinking about Swedish cows and how there's this basically like almost like a holiday. It's like a celebration. It's called Koslap, which I probably butchered that pronunciation, but it's one day in spring where the farms will celebrate the, the day that the cows get to be released from the barn after the cold winter. And they'll sell like things like pretzels and different snacks. And people will come from all over to watch all of the cows be released into the field. And they're like dancing. Corinne, sounds like your dream. It is. They're so happy. They're so happy. They're like running around. They're playing in the field. They're all over the place. And everyone's just surrounding them, watching them be released into the sun and in the warmth and the green. But here's what's interesting is, well, I just found it a little bit serendipitous. Because you were talking about this and I was like, is that a Swedish tradition, letting the cows out? So I Googled 
Swedish let the cows out holiday. And it came up, but the very first article that came up is from a blog called My Dear Sabrina. So look at this. My Dear Sabrina. Maybe I have a lover out there. Maybe. And they're trying to seduce you with other tales of Sweden. They're like, hey, I'll show you around to some more haunted places. And I'll also, yeah, bring along your your friend that likes the cows. Me? (laughs) I'll come. That's you. My cow friend. That's me. Yes. I'm the weeping cow. Usually <laughs> that could be what my house is called. Well, my it's probably what my parents called my childhood bedroom. Ugh, the weeping cow. The weeping cow. Said it again. I actually kind of like that. The weeping cows. The weeping cow. Another children's book from us. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, we're, we're going to make the cow happy by letting the cow run loose. Yeah. Release it from the barn. Who let the cows out? Who? 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 Corinne did. I did. Okay. I have two stories from phantoms who live in Sweden about their haunted homes or the homes that they were spending some time in. Are we about to find a new most haunted house in Sweden? We might. We very well might. I don't know that they gave any descriptions of where this house is, so I think we could hear about it, but might not actually know where where it exists. Okay. But the first one is from someone who has one of the names that I love so much. And this is from Matilda. Oh, I didn't know you loved that name. I love Matilda. I love Matilda. It is a beautiful name. But I've already asked Brian. I'm like, when we have kids in the future, can we name our kid Matilda? And he's like, oh, isn't that the worst? He's not as into it as I am. I've been in love with it for years. Maybe it will grow on him. I know I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to lose that battle. I think, I I think my firstborn daughter might be named Matilda. (laughs) I'll just tell everyone now. <laughs> okay. Now he has to commit to it. This is called Ghost at a Sleepover. Oh. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. Longtime listener, first time writer. All the way from Sweden, actually. I listened to campfire stories about sleepovers, and it reminded me that I actually have a ghost story related to that. When I was about eight or nine years old, I had a friend that moved way out to the countryside. And in Sweden, that means deep in the woods. When I finally got to go to have a sleepover with her, it was just me, her, and her dad in the house, and we didn't have any neighbors nearby. We had a lot of fun during the day, probably pretending to be horses and having (laughs) snacks and watching a movie. The only bathroom in the house was downstairs, but her bedroom was upstairs. And just like all kids in that age, we didn't go to sleep right away when we went to bed. Of course not. No. We stayed up really late and we giggled (laughs) and we ate popcorn in her bed and we drank lemonade. That sounds delightful. It does. Until it's late at night and you have to use the bathroom. Right. So eventually I had to use the bathroom. But I was really scared because it was late and I was not used to the creaky, dark stairs. And I knew the hallway to the bathroom was going to be really dark. My friend did not want to go with me. So I had to just go by myself. Oh, I got down the stairs, but I saw a light from the living room and the TV was on and her dad sat in the sofa. I said, hi, I'm just going to use the bathroom and did a little wave with my hand, feeling a bit guilty for being up past our bedtime, but felt a bit of ease seeing her dad was still awake. I went to do my thing. And when I was going back up the stairs, I noticed that her dad wasn't in the living room anymore. It was completely dark as a matter of fact. So I hurried upstairs in the creaky stairs and threw myself onto my friend's bed. She then asked, who are you talking to? I said, her dad. He must have, he must have just went to bed after when I was using the bathroom. But she said he went to sleep hours ago. 
she can hear him snoring. He's been snoring the whole time. My gosh. So I listened. And yes, I actually did hear him snoring. And I remembered that I had heard him snoring the whole time. I just didn't connect the two dots until now. I said, but he was downstairs just now. She said that we both would have heard it if a full-grown man used the stairs because they were really creaky when us kids used them. Yeah. But who had I seen downstairs? There had not been a break-in or anything like that. So either I just imagined it all or this was a paranormal event. Definitely paranormal. (laughs) You did not imagine it, Matilda. Yeah. My friend and I grew apart quickly after that. So I did not have to sleep over at her house again. Thanks for a great podcast, Matilda. Wow. I am curious who it was. Like, Was it a weird like time glitch where she was experiencing something that had happened in the past? Or mm-hmm. is there another spirit that looks quite like her friend's dad? Or yeah. what? Or even just like, is there someone who's looking after her, whether it's specific to Matilda or just somebody in the house that was like, oh, this poor girl is so scared. I'm just going to create a sort of situation that would make her feel more comfortable as she comes down. I have no idea, but because it's like the the least scary doppelganger paranormal appearance because she had no idea that what she who she was seeing was not the dad and not just the dad, like the TV was on. She was watching the TV be on. Well, then that to me is also a little bit spookier because it's I mean, it's good that she didn't realize it until afterwards. Yeah. It wasn't like a spectral image. It was a full on felt real physical form of a human interacting with the space. So maybe it was sort of a glitch situation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But get ready but, for this next one. Okay? Oh, gosh. Okay. It's just a few sentences. And I was like, this is the creepiest thing I've ever heard. Oh, God. Okay. Hey. My name is Maria, and I have a few ghost stories. No big ones, which is a lie, but just a lot of small ones that have happened in periods in my life. So here are a few. I am born and raised on an island called Gotland in Sweden. The weirdest experience I think I've had was when I was putting my son to bed. He had fallen to sleep, and I was going to go to bed. I was pregnant with our baby girl, and we had talked about baby girl names the night before. When I was going into our bedroom... There I saw a little girl sitting on our bedroom floor. She looked at me and she looked angry and she said, her name is Agnes. Agnes, she yelled at me and then disappeared. About three weeks later, our baby girl was born and to the day that she's turning four, she is a spitting image of that little girl that I saw sitting on our bedroom floor that night. Is her name Agnes? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know if they took the name. Okay. And then Maria says, the second story I will write into you is when I was about 11 or 12 years old. I was skipping school to go to a nearby store to buy something like a drink and something to eat. (laughs) And I saw something, some werewolf looking thing that just came sprinting, holding something and then disappeared into some wormhole thing. And then right after, I saw a UFO that lifted up and zigzagged off into the sky. So much more has happened to me, but those are two of the most weird ones. Keep up the good work, Maria. 
Okay, well, that last one reminds me a lot of the story you opened up our episode on of the woman seeing some shapeshifter-like thing and UFOs being in the area. Something. I want to know more about this town. It kind of reminds me of, and I don't know if this is just a horror movie or if it's based on a true story, but there's like a story about a small town in Alaska that was like visited by aliens. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Is it the fourth kind? Oh, are you? Th- oh, that movie. Sorry, I thought you were talking about like a real case. No, I think there is a real case that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but it reminds me of like this small town that mm-hmm. I just think so many more things happen in small towns because one, they're more secluded, and two, there's like less people and maybe perhaps more space for them or whatever creatures to be doing their thing. Right. Totally. It, it's strange too. And I, the timing of it, it would make sense because Maria was supposed to be in school, but was basically skipping school, playing hooky, and was probably in a spot that not many people were because of the time of day it was. And just so happened to see, because it sounds like it was almost like this thing that she caught a glimpse of as it was entering very quickly into a space, but it was holding something. And so I'm so curious what it was holding, because is this is this abductions? Is this what we're, I, I don't know, because it's also, mm, I don't know. Cause I'm so confused. Cause I'm like, okay, well, wh- it wasn't holding a person. No, right? that's like, why I was like, what do you mean? You think it- <laughs> no, think but I was also thinking said. like, what if it abducted a squirrel or like a chipmunk? You know, and these things are studying our planet or our plane in the dimension. They could have also stolen a candy bar, you know, they don't get the same types of candy over there in their alien planets. Which is totally a good thought. But I also want to tell this creature, hey, you don't have to run and sprint and try to escape into the wormhole. You can calmly go steal that candy bar because everyone's going to be so scared of you that (laughs) they're not going to touch you. I don't know, Corinne. I I think that it did the right thing. You got to be quick in yeah. and out. You don't want to deal with people. In and out. You don't want to cause a scene and cause an alarm because then you the next time you want to steal that candy bar, everyone's you know prepared and got their eyes out, like they're they're looking for you. Yeah, it is interesting too that a UFO lifted up right after because Maria saw this thing going into a wormhole type thing. So I'm like, okay, was the wormhole like a quick way to travel back to where the craft was? Or is, was there something in in the vibration of Earth or in the timeline or in the dimensions or, or what have you that opened up in that exact moment that we just were seeing, or Maria was saying, a lot of different types of things all at once and that they weren't necessarily related to each other, but something about the time and the space allowed all of those things to come through and be witnessed. It's a good question. And I don't have an answer for you, but I don't know either. I want to know where this is so we can go. Let's just go to Sweden. We also, we need to know what Maria's daughter's name is. Is it Agnes? Does she feel like she's Agnes? Is her middle name Agnes? I also wonder if now that she's at that age where she really looks like and is a spitting image. Oh, hi, Leigh. If that will happen, if her name's not Agnes, maybe it's a, it's a, in a moment that will happen soon about something else oh like she throws a tantrum basically and is like my name is agnes or she says her name right so like maybe it's about like an imaginary friend or about i don't know a younger sister or who knows 
Interesting. Yeah. Ooh, I just got chills thinking about it. We'll have to find out. Sounds like we need some updates. Yeah. Maria. Also, we want ghost stories from all of you. And if you've sent us one in the past and you have an update, what are you doing? Send it to us. Email us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Uh, please buy tickets to our show. Yeah. You can find the link to all of the different shows in our show descriptions. Uh, you can also go on our website, two girls, one ghost.com. And we have a whole tab called live shows where you can get all the ticket links and bring a friend, bring a mom, bring a coworker, come alone. Yeah. We're there to all hang out and tell yeah. ghost stories together and have a great time and tell you about some interesting things that happened to us. Terrifying things. Get lost in the pyramid scheme. Or get lost in the triangle. I keep blending those together. Get lost in the triangle. Join the pyramid scheme by joining us on Patreon. We have campfire stories every Tuesday for any tier. We have live streams every month for some of the higher tiers. We have a lot of bonus content. We have like free merch and stuff. So join us over there for all the fun. Thank you to Christina for editing our podcast, both the video and the audio and the ad-free episodes on Patreon. And thank you to all of you for tuning in every week, sometimes way more than that, Mm -hmm. for those catching up. We hope to see you this fall at one of our shows. But if not, we will see see you on the other other side. side. Very smooth.